friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, uh, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your host every Tuesday and Wednesday on Drive Time. Thank you so much for joining with us. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week, we're following the theme, Relevant to the Times. This is the theme that Seventh-day Adventist churches all across Australia are discussing this week in their annual week of prayer. We gather together, we talk together, we have fellowship groups together, we come into the scriptures together, and then we spend significant time in prayer together. And uh, this week, uh, we're following uh, the theme, Relevant to the to the Times. Uh, on Monday, you might re- might recall... Uh, we introduced three mysterious angels that appear just before Christ appears the second time. And, uh, and that was found in Revelation 14, 6 and 7. And today uh, we look again at that particular message. Now we'll come to the scriptures in, in a moment, but uh, today uh, we ask the question, uh, what about talk of repentance and judgment? Is it out of date uh, because that angel part of its message speaks of judgment is it out of date not many people today uh, dare to speak on the subject of judgment. Today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the President of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Welcome to you David. Good afternoon Gary, it's uh, really good to be here and hello listeners. Uh, it's fantastic to have you back again. Spring has arrived and spring has arrived and daylight robbery hasn't yet arrived. It's fantastic. Look it is really nice isn't it to get some nice sunny days and warmer weather. Hopefully that is the case for our listeners right across the country. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, to be sitting in the studio here with no air conditioner on and just in short shirt sleeves is a wonderful, absolutely wonderful feeling. But tell us, springtime, what are you doing differently? Yeah, hopefully some gardening. That's one thing. Um, and our garden, we're trying to, I've probably said this a few times, a lot of landscaping and, and replanting. And we've had a designer come in and help us, that sort of thing. We've got a lot of work to do, but gardening and also doing other jobs in daylight saving, which will come sooner. I love daylight saving. You love daylight. You're one of those radicals that, um, you know, for those of us who are morning people who like getting up at five o'clock in the morning and who like going for our walks before the sun actually arises, uh, daylight saving is a is a terrible time of the year, particularly the first month when uh, you're walking in the dark and the black once uh, once again. I, I personally, David, I love to be able to pack up and go to bed. You know, I mean, by about ten o'clock, I'm in bed, but I like to get up uh, bright and yeah, brighter. I'm a five thirty to six a.m., but I still like daylight saving um, late in the evening. So you could be called a workaholic. Um, yeah, or even if you want to go cycling or something, you need some light. Well, it's best to do it with light, isn't it? So, it certainly is. It yeah. certainly is. Yeah, no, that uh, that's wonderful. Look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment. You know, I, I stumbled across a really uh, interesting little uh, article in uh, in this week's Australian. Uh, it was uh, talking about our friend Jeff Bezos, who likes to go shooting himself into the stars and, uh, and all that sort of stuff. But uh, the title of the article was... Uh, 
Jeff Bezos funds the quest for eternal life. Now, I love um, love this because uh, uh, what it was saying and uh, I, I sort of thought, hey, I, I wonder if uh, some of our listeners on Faith FM could actually help him out a little bit. This is what the article said. Now, what does the world's richest man still want after making all those billions? More time, of course, to spend those billions. Jeff Bezos is said uh, is said to be one of the investors in a well-funded Silicon Valley startup recruiting some of the world's top genetic scientists to seek the secrets of eternal life. The Amazon founder is believed to have put millions of dollars uh, from his nearly $200 billion fortune into Altos Labs, a project exploring gene reprogramming. The company is being set up uh, by a Russian internet entrepreneur with plans to open labs in California, Britain and in Japan. Bezos, of 57, was recently retired, is said to have a fascination with preventing ageing. In his parting message to Amazon shareholders, he urged the company to stay nimble and uh, look uh, to the future. Uh, the Amazon founder is said to have invested uh, in uh, in this company through his investment office. Uh, you know, to me, as I read this particular article, I sort of thought, "Hey, here is a man that uh, that has that has got everything in his life." But he starts to recognise the f- cruel fact that he himself is actually ageing. And then my mind sort of went back. I mean, I, I recall uh, visiting in one time Egypt. And, of course, if you go to the pyramids, uh, all the uh, the mummies in ancient Egypt uh, were to do uh, with the whole subject of being able to maintain a eternal existence. Uh, as, I, as I sort of thought of that, I thought, hey, how relevant is, uh, is that to uh, to the story of Jeff Bezos now, uh, David. Look, I, I'm just I'm just wondering if you can uh, if you can help us out on, on this one. Now, look, the quest for eternal life. Do you think he's prepared to put millions of dollars into it? Do you think we could find him a cheaper way to be able to achieve the same end? Well, you can uh, get the Word of God for free. You can download an app. Uh, he can pay a million dollars maybe for the world's most expensive Bible, perhaps. Yeah, this seems quite futile, doesn't it, uh, and in vain. Uh, this is, I believe, either the first or second most richest person in the world. I think yeah. there's a race yeah. on between him and uh, Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla. Um how? Why would you want to live 50 years longer or whatever it might be in a world that's degenerating and uh, sinfulness and wickedness is escalating even more. That can't be eternal life, surely. And I I guess I'm reminded of a couple of really key Bible texts, if Mm, I can share mm, them. mm. So this is the the search for eternal life. And it, it... you don't have to have 200 billion or, or invest even several million to receive it. First John 5. Verses 11 to 13, and the Apostle John, the aging man, says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. So God has given it. And this life is in his Son. 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Wow. That's so, powerful, isn't it? Yeah, this is, uh, John is telling his readers and us that we can have assurance that we have eternal life, um, as and when we receive Jesus and as we continue to believe in him. So eternal life has two facets. One is the, um, the, uh, a quantitative factor, a time period that never ends. Yeah. You know, for ages when we go to heaven and all those sorts of things. The other element, though, that Scripture tells us is we can have it right now in Jesus because in John's high, um, uh, Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, this is the, uh, the night of his arrest and uh, trial. He's uh, crucified the next day. So this is Thursday night. John seventeen three. The whole chapter is a prayer, but he says, This is Jesus, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So knowing God and believing in Jesus and experiencing Jesus means we can experience eternal life right now. So in other words, it's both qualitative and quantitative. quantitative. And and Satan, I believe, gets us to focus so much on the quantitative, some distant point in the future of a perfect life that will never end, that he takes our eyes off the the qualitative side, which is we can experience eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? Eternal life is essentially having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, and that's the qualitative, and then yes. we move the quantitative exactly. uh, once uh, once Christ comes again. Exactly. Yeah, th- th- that's really fantastic. You know, I-, I love what you've actually just said there because uh, it really hits the nail on the head. You know, if Jeff Bezos, if he if he manages to extend life by twenty or thirty years, it's still Still going to end, isn't it? It's still going to end. But what we've got in Scripture, I tell you, I think what we should do is to send Jeff Bezos a copy of the Scriptures and uh, see if he's prepared to consider uh, that uh, uh, that particular option because I think it's powerful. Absolutely. And uh, we would encourage him to donate to Faith FM. Yeah, a million would go very handy. Uh, look, now look, just one second um, uh, article that I came across. This is in the website Christian Headlines, and uh, it talked about version. Uh, version seek to have the Bible translations for 95% of the world languages by 2033. Now, this is what the article uh, said. In an effort to translate the Bible so that 95% of the global population could have access to the good news by 2033, the U version a Bible app team has partnered with the Bible translation group Illuminations. U uh, version's founder Bobby uh, explained uh, that Bible translation efforts have been challenging in the past, leaving many people across the globe without access to scriptures in their primary language. There's a lot of languages that are spoken in the world that many people are not aware of how many that are actually spoken. It's well over 6,000 actually, but unfortunately, in spite of the fact uh, that we've had the Bible in English uh, for, for many years, we take it for granted that there are, uh, and don't understand that there are still many people and thousands of languages that actually have no access to the scripture at all, no uh, scripture in their heart language. They may have a, an understanding of the, the scriptures from a learned, from a second, from a second language. They might speak another language, but it's not their heart language, the language that they spoke when they were young. And so we're definitely excited about 
about being part of an effort to change that and to make that really different going forward, he added. And uh, uh, he pointed out that despite past difficulties, new translation methodologies and advancing technologies paired with the collaborative effort of uh, uh, illuminations uh, is uh, speeding up the translation process significantly. He hopes that the new efforts will allow for most of the world to have access to the Bible in their mother tongue in the next decade or so. Now, this to me is really, really good news. I, I was really pleased to actually hear this. This particular article. Now, David, just tell me something. Did you realise that the Bible wasn't yet translated into every single language? I thought that had actually been accomplished. Yeah, I was aware of that, Gary, but I couldn't tell you how many languages it was translated in or has been translated into and how many not. And there's all these dialects as well, clearly, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, the Bible is clearly the most translated book of all time. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Interestingly, you talk about um, version, which is a, a software Bible app you can get yeah, on your yeah, phone. Yeah. It's the world's most popular Bible app. And uh, this is just a side point, and I'll, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you'll yeah, pull yeah, me yeah. back in a minute. But um, they do a thing every year with the most popular Bible verse that people search and last year during the pandemic uh, it was Isaiah 41.10 so do not fear for I, I am with you do not be dismayed for I am your God I will strengthen you and help you I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand people had searched the word fear mm. in the pandemic mm. Uh, usually it's it's um, uh, Jeremiah 29.11 is the most popular. You know, I, for, you know the plans I have for you, says the yeah. Lord, to give you a future yeah. and a hope. But last year it was all based on fear. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and God being there That's, that's incredible. And, and they actually come to the Scriptures for some, for some answer uh, to the challenges, to the fear that they're actually experiencing in their own life. But look, David, look, tell me something, because I'm really conscious that there is some discussion out there, particularly in the religious community, about, you know, Bible... Uh, Bible uh, styles, Bible versions. Uh, what version do you most enjoy reading yourself? Yeah, very good question, Gary. And, and you're putting me under the hammer, aren't you? I, my, uh, probably my favourite version of the Bible I like to use for Bible study is the New King James Version. Okay. Um, but I also um, read um, devotionally um, a number of versions, including the New Living Translation. But Often I will also look at the Greek as well. Um, I've got Bible software and I'll often open a range of Bibles mm-hmm. on my computer. But, um, yeah, it's also beautiful to pick up the actual Bible, the pages, a book. Yeah. Yeah. And open that. But I find with the Bible software, I can do so many amazing things yeah. as I want to dig down and drill into Scripture. Tell me something. If a person was new to the Scriptures and they wanted to start uh, reading the Scriptures, would you have a particular version that you'd recommend? And, and where would you recommend they start? Yeah, excellent question. So, look, I think for, for devotional reading, getting to know the Bible and all that sort of thing, uh, you know, um, different sorts of translations. You've got like the word-for-word word translation. Tr- the translators are trying to translate the actual Greek or Hebrew word into the most relevant English word. And um, uh, they're the ones, I think, that will give you the closest picture. And so really good for Bible study. For devotional reading, for someone completely new that hasn't picked up a Bible, Maybe a, a, perhaps a paraphrase like the New Living or, or um, a word-for-word translation like the New International Version mm-hmm. might be good. Um, yeah, and so starting the Bible, the Bible is a library, okay. a library of 66 books. And that's important to understand, isn't it? 
It is. And so it's not something you read from cover to cover, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you, you haven't done it before. So I'd be recommending uh, for me either Mark or John, mm-hmm. uh, the Gospels. Um, and Mark is, you know, 16 chapters. It's very short and punchy. You read the Gospel of Mark and continually you come across this word, immediately Jesus did this, immediately yeah, Jesus yeah, did yeah, that. Yeah. So finding Jesus in the Scriptures, um, I'd be starting with Mark or John, and then go to some of the, you know, Acts I would go to, and then I'd probably look at some of the story books, maybe Genesis and some of the other narrative books of the Old Testament. Okay, okay. Uh, how how would you actually respond to somebody? Because I'm conscious that I know in my ministry I've had people approach me and say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm not going to read that particular version because it's corrupt, or there's a problem with it, or you know, it, there, there's some theological um, behind the scenes stuff that's actually happened there." I mean, how would you respond? To, I mean, are there any versions you wouldn't use? Um, none of the versions I have in my possession would I not use. <laughs> Is that for answering? I think it comes down to this, Gary. Um, there are some for Bible study, um, like serious Bible study, looking to find um, depth. I think the word-for-word type translations are better. The K- New King James, uh, the New International Version, the New American Standard Bible, all those sorts of things. The ESV, the English Standard Version. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also good to consult a range of translations. And the reason why is because um, there are some Greek and Hebrew words where there is simply no equivalent English word to translate to. Yeah, yeah. And we're also finding out archaeologists and historians are finding as they do excavations in the Bible lands, they come across uh, literature and other things where they come across these words and they actually have different nuances they're finding than than maybe a 100 years ago or 50 years ago. So yeah. we're learning more. So this is God's holy word, no question. But um, different translations give different slants and can give a, a broader picture. The other thing I would say is this. I believe there are some that are stronger than others, definitely, but... I believe they're all the Word of God, and um, the Word of God, regardless of what translation, people can find Jesus in it for salvation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really important to actually remember that. Uh, it, it's it's heart, it's core. Uh, to, to me, I, I would agree with you totally. I mean, I've got many Bibles actually in my um, in my own library. In fact, one of the real struggles that I had a little while ago was I realized that in my library, I'd, I had about uh, eight or nine Bibles, and I wasn't quite sure what to do with them uh, because I didn't feel right about, about uh, you know, I'd I, certainly wasn't going to throw them out. Mm. Um, but what do I do with a used Bible? And uh, I really actually appreciated uh, being able uh, to look at the uh, the word in different different versions because in those different versions you get different those different nuances. They seem to come through to you. They speak to you in a different way. And, uh, and to me, when I look at the big picture, you know, one of the things I've learned with the Scriptures uh, is not to actually base my entire belief on one one particular passage of scripture, but rather to take uh, all the scriptures that speak on a similar subject, look at them in in context, and look at the big picture. And you know what I've discovered is that when you do that, you actually get a wonderful picture uh, of what God is actually uh, desiring for mankind. And that's what the literal translations, the ones that try and get the Hebrew or Greek word and try and give the equivalent in English, I think that's where they are far stronger in. Yeah. But Gary, what is really surprising? And this was something I came across last week. 
Only 20% of Australian Christians, this is according to the Bible Society, read the Bible daily. Only okay. 20% of Australian Christians. Um, that's, that's two in ten. So what's more important, which Bible version you read? And I think there are better the ones than others. Or the fact that others, you are or actually. Or the fact you're reading. That's actually a very important point that you actually make there. Look, let's come to some music, folks. Uh, it, uh, we do need to de- need to keep moving. This is Gavin Chatillier uh, as water uh, to the thirsty, and that indeed is what the Scriptures uh, certainly are, uh, as water to the thirsty. As beauty to the eyes As strength that follows weakness As truth instead of lies As sometime and springtime And summertime to be So is my Lord, my living Lord So is my Lord to me of clamor like peace that follows pain like meeting after parting like sunshine after rain like moonlight and starlight and sunlight on the sea so is my Lord my living Lord so is my Lord to me
that was Gavin Chatillier uh, as water to the thirsty. And indeed, that's exactly what the Word of God is uh, to me uh, day by day. Love uh, love that. Thank you so much for that, uh, uh, Gavin. Really appreciated your uh, your music there. Uh, now, look, folks, we do have a, a free a free gift uh, for you uh, for you today. Uh, now, look, uh, this week we're actually giving away the book. Uh, it's actually entitled The Invitation. Now, this is a real beauty. Uh, this is a really powerful book. Uh, all it's got is stories in it. This is just a, a simple story book where people are sharing their testimonies. They're sharing about life circumstances. Uh, they're talking about how life knocked them around, but how through the power of God they were actually able to build back. Look, if you want to be encouraged, this is the book to get hold of. It's uh, it's entitled The Invitation. Now, look, if you would like uh, a copy of The Invitation, uh, please just text us uh, to our studio number here. That number is 04 888 That number again is 04 888 And look, all you need to do uh, is just simply send uh, to that number SA15. That's all you need. SA for South Australia and the number 15. That's all you need to do. And then we've got a, a wonderful friend. He's called Robot. Uh, we call him Bot. And uh, he will automatically uh, come back uh, to you and uh, just simply ask you for the details that uh, that he needs uh, to be able to send you out uh, this particular book. Um, our friend Bot, he's a, he's a friendly bot. Uh, so we'd encourage you to uh, feel free uh, to text us uh, 04 888 11 uh, and the book that we're uh, uh, we're inviting you to to request is this one here the invitation and that will come to you automatically just by texting sa15 uh, to uh, to that uh, uh, particular uh, number uh, you're listening to faith fm drive time big q and a with uh, pastor gary today our co-host is pastor david butcher and uh, david's the president of the seventh day Adventist church here in south oz uh, this week, uh, we're following the theme, Relevant to the Times. Now, this is the theme of the Seventh-day Adventist churches all, ascro- all across Australia are discussing in our annual a Week of Prayer. Uh, on Monday, uh, we were introduced to three mysterious angels that appear uh, just before Christ returns uh, the second time. Today, we chat on the issue of judgment. Now, I'm really interested in this particular passage that we're looking at. This is what it says. It's in the very center of the book of Revelation. It says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. Now, this angel, in its context, in the context of this passage, is flying just before the harvest of the earth is reaped. And what we have here is the angel starts by speaking and sharing the everlasting Gospel. We shared on that in our program on Monday. Uh, and uh, today uh, we move to the subject to preaching those who dwell on the earth to every nation and tribe and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has, has come. Now, David, I'm really... Um, conscious that, you know, we've got an angel being, uh, he, he's flying in the midst of heaven, he's preaching the gospel, but the first thing he mentions is the issue of 
judgment. Now, uh, to me, I, I've got to ask, you know, is talk of repentance and judgment that much out of, is it out of date? Because, you know, I mean, it's actually a subject that I suggest has actually fallen on really hard times. You know, judgment was a, a core teaching, certainly of the entire Christian church for, for, for millennia. Um, in fact, I know people, you know, stained glass windows had horrendous pictures of, you know, the judgment, paintings on the ceiling. Paintings on the ceiling. It was, this was horrendous type, uh, type stuff. Um, and it terrified huge portions of the population. And yet this angel presents a message of judgment. You know, really, isn't it time that we move on from this? We live in a world, ever increasingly, you turn on the TV or the media and people are always wanting justice. Mm. So what does justice involve? What does judgment involve? It's really about the search for truth. Okay. There are accusations that are made. There are uh, people are maligned and, 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 and charged and accused. It's about what is truth, what is justice. Interestingly, um, just as a little snippet, June 12, 2005, a, uh, a man, Roy L. Pearson Jr., you could look him up, uh, ended up suing a dry cleaner because his suit pants were misplaced. They, they cost $1,100. He ended up over a course of years, it drew out, $67 million he was suing the dry cleaner for. And this is the American legal system with all of its extravagances. Ultimately, the case was thrown out. But you can imagine the injustice that the dry cleaner felt over an $1,100 pair of pants being sued for $67.3 million. There's an injustice there. So mm. that dry cleaner would have wanted justice. I think of the, the Chamberlain case, you know, the dingo with the baby, and... Um, the various coronial inquests and everything that occurred there. Um, and um, that was in 1980 mm. that, that uh, this little baby was taken as I Aria remember it well, actually, because I was actually uh, studying for my degree back then. You know, I mean, that's so long ago. And so that happened in 1980. Yeah. And she was accused. She was put in prison. Uh, and she fought and she fought and evidence came out and all these sorts of things. But it wasn't until 2012 and the fourth inquest that a coroner made a ruling that a dingo had indeed taken baby Azaria from the campsite in 1980 and the dingo had caused the death. Mm. So it is understandable why many people uh, have a level of fear and trepidation with courts and judgments. Mm. They're worried about will it be fair, Will it? Will it? Uh, is it legitimate? But other people want their day in court because they've been wronged and they want their name cleared. And certainly, David, I think you actually make a, a, an excellent point there that what uh, our, we're living in a world today that is crying out for justice. You know, everywhere I turn, this call for justice is, is certainly there. People want justice. In fact, how many uh, television programs are there? And almost every, uh, certainly every cop show that's on, on television, it's a search for justice, you know, that, uh, that is the theme of those particular programs. And, and so these groups in society today, they can be opposing groups and they're all calling for justice. They're wanting mm. their own agenda upheld. And yeah. yet the Bible tells us that Jesus Jesus is the righteous judge. Yeah. And yeah. so um, the, the whole story of the Bible actually, right there from the beginning, and you pick this up in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, is this angel in heaven called Lucifer mm. that um, was jealous, that wanted to be like the Most High, that wanted to be like God himself. And he causes a third of the angels 
yeah. to depart from heaven. We find that in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, and then we get the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Satan, through a serpent, comes and tells them that God's not fair. God's name is being maligned. He yeah. is telling Adam and Eve that uh, God doesn't really like you. He's, he's withholding from you. Mm-hmm. And so... The judgment does a number of things. First of all, the judgment, we all need to face a judgment. The judgment uh, declares God's people as a, they're vindicated. They're mm-hmm. declared as righteous because Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. That's, that's important. And so Satan is saying to God, uh, Gary, he's no good. You don't need to have him in heaven. He doesn't really love you. Look at him. He's not perfect. And I know you're not perfect, Gary, as well. And he does the same <laughs> Just with... Just don't let the others know about that's that. That's right. He does the same with every believer, right? Yeah. And so the judgment does a number of things. But, Gary, let's look at a few texts, shall yeah, we? Yeah, certainly do. Let's do that. So if we were to just look at a couple of uh, New Testament texts, um, uh, we'll look at Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Uh, that'll be the first one we look at. So judgment is often laced with trepidation and fear, and yet the Bible has so much to say on the subject. So Acts 17, verse 31 says, talking of God, he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness, by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. So this is um, this is uh, Acts, this is Luke writing, saying that God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world mm. Mm. in righteousness. So God will judge, it will be a righteous judgment, and it will all happen through Jesus. Wow. So, so this, is, this is New Testament teaching, and what the apostles are saying is, is that there will be a day of judgment. And this is Luke recording, but it's the Apostle Paul. Yeah, speaking. And and, and Paul is saying here that um, uh, there's going to be a day in which the world will be judged, and the assurance or the guarantee that this will happen is the fact that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, if we were to go to um, Romans 2.16, there's another text here. It says, God will judge the secrets of men... By Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. This is Paul talking. So it says that God will judge the secrets of human beings. Uh, Romans fourteen ten to 12. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand, says Paul, before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then... Each of us shall give account of himself to God. Wow. I mean, David, this is something, as I suppose I um, uh, have this picture, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, Second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 5 as well, you know, is an, uh, you know, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or evil. You know, David, I, I suppose as I read this, I mean, this is something that certainly most uh, churches within Christianity today, you don't actually hear very much about judgment. It seems to be, you know, this is something that's quite frightening, really. Well, it appears that way because, I don't know, whenever those police lights slide up behind you, your heart rate increases, doesn't it? It does. I go to our post office box with trepidation most days when I go there, wondering if there's a, an envelope there, uh, and, and that's a whole other subject. You're not running right? out of points, are you, David? No, I haven't lost any for a few years, but I shouldn't say that because maybe it'll happen. But, but 
we face authority often with fear and certainly courts yeah. with fear because are we in trouble? Yeah. Uh, will the judgment be made right, etc.? Will it be correct? So, yeah, you've, you've hit on something really important there, Gary. Second Corinthians 5.10, where Paul says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So this is not just unbelievers. He's saying we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to remember that... Um, Paul is writing to a Christian church. He's writing to the Corinthian church here when he says this. And mm-hmm. he says that we each may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Wow. Wow. I mean, look, look this is something, David, that, you know, to me, the I, I'm, I've spoken to so many, many people, and I know many churches have actually, you know, really stopped sharing on this particular subject because they don't see the connection between, um, between judgment and gospel. But here what we've got in Revelation 14, we've got an angel who has the everlasting gospel uh, to preach to those who dwell on the earth. But then it gets the words saying with a loud voice. And the first thing he says is something concerning the judgment. Now, to me, uh, David, I know that if someone spoke to me about the gospel, um, there's many things I'd talk about. I'd talk about Jesus Christ. I'd talk about uh, Jesus uh, coming uh, in the flesh, about his uh, about his salvation, about his death, about his resurrection, uh, about his substitutionary death, about the fact that he's coming again. Good news, mm. uh, but you know, I probably wouldn't say a great deal about judgment. Where is the good news in this particular passage? Yeah, and I think we're going to get to there in a minute, Gary. Okay, okay, you're, you're, we're going to get. You've there got in me a on tender hooks at the moment. Um, I also want to go to 1 Peter 4.17. This is what Peter says. He says, For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God. Mm-hmm. This is Peter. What does that mean? Time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So Peter is saying, just like Paul, that judgment will be for believers and non-believers, mm-hmm. and it's going to begin with the believers. Wow. Okay. And Revelation 22:12, the final chapter of the Bible says, "And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work." Now we already read uh, Paul in um 2 Corinthians talk about uh, we're going to be judged by our good and by our bad works. Here Jesus is saying to John in Revelation 22:12, the very last chapter of the scriptures, that Jesus is coming quickly, he's coming with a reward. To give mm-hmm. everyone according to their works. So, are we saved by works? Certainly not. We're saved solely by the grace of God. Or by Jesus grace are you saved through faith. faith. That not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Um, so, we're saved by accepting and believing what Jesus has done for us on the cross and inviting him into our lives. Mm. But the fruit of our... Eternal life is a relationship with Jesus, both mm. here and forevermore. Mm. That's quite an internal thing, right? Yeah. I yeah. can say I love the Lord, but I can go out and do something completely different. Yeah. So we are judged by our works mm-hmm. because our works show the fruitage of our relationship with God or alternatively our relationship with the evil one. In other words, what God is trying to do here is he accepts that uh, there are certainly people who correctly have pointed out in the Christian church there are many 
hypocrites. There are people who are saying one thing and doing something entirely different. And of course, it's not easy to identify who in fact are fallen into that particular category. But of course, what we've got is a God who understands both the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He's the one who can dig behind the scene and uh, he knows who is actually faithful and who is not actually faithful. And that's why in Matthew 25 you've got this uh, picture of uh, uh, Jesus dividing the sheep from the goats, the true believers from the false. You've got the parable of the wheat and tares. This happens at the return of Jesus. Mm. So when Jesus comes, there's a dividing taking place, which means before he comes, there is a determination that is made as to who is in a living relationship with him and who is not. So he already knows that when he comes to to the world. And that's, a, that's an important point that you actually do make there, David. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, we also need to remember here, Gary, that all of us are sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible says uh, all our righteousness, all our good deeds are filthy rags. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that none are righteous, no, not one. Mm. So we all deserve to die. Mm-hmm. We all deserve to perish because the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. Mm-hmm. So we are all, whether we like it or not, we're all under judgment. Indeed. Indeed. And that's so, so significant. And, you know, salvation, therefore, can only come to us through the work and the act of Jesus Christ. Exactly. And so when we accept that work and that act of Jesus Christ, then we can have it, and while we're in that living relationship with Jesus, then we can have assurance when the term and the word judgment comes up, and even mm. and, and even when judgment does occur. I'm just looking um, uh, in my scriptures here, and I basically know the text off by heart. But John three seventeen, we know John three sixteen, but John three seventeen, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And it says in verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So when Jesus comes, there are those that will be in a relationship with him and are waiting for him. There'll be those that have rejected him and opposed to him. And so a judgment has already taken place, but Jesus, when he comes, gives his reward. So we can take hope in this verse, John 3.17, along with obviously John 3.16. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He Mm. came into the world that through him the world might be saved. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, David, just one final text before we go to our our break. I love the book of Daniel. I I dig into this book, Daniel chapter 7, and in Daniel chapter 7 we've got a picture of the judgment and uh, uh, verse 22 uh, 21 and 22 says this, I was watching and the same horn and the horn was opposing uh, the uh, uh, the people of God and I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them and then it says this, until the ancient of days came Came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. You know, as I sort of read that, I thought, wow, that, you know, here we have got, sometimes I look at judgment with fear, but the promise here is that a judgment is going to be made in favor of the saints of the Most High God. To me, that's incredibly positive. Look, let's come to our, uh, to our break. Uh, this is Salah and, uh, love this song, You Are My Hiding Place. This is a powerful, uh, song that really, uh, shares 
shares uh, what it is that we've been speaking about. Salah, you are my hiding place.
And that was uh, Salah. Uh, you are my hiding place. You know, in any judgment, to actually have that message, I think it's just so important. You are my hiding place. Judgment is going to be made in favour of the saints of the Most High God. Now, guys, look, we do have a uh, uh, a book for you today. That book again is the invitation. Love this uh, this particular book. Uh, these are true stories that will change your life. This is an incredibly powerful book uh, that contains stories of people that have been destroyed by life circumstances, but have been rebuilt by the love of God. Uh, now, look, guys, these are practical stories. These are super down to earth. These are not preachy. Uh, I believe you'll greatly love this book, The Invitation. Now look, if you'd like a copy of the book The Invitation, please text us uh, here at our studio number. Our number is 04 888 That number again is 04 888 And just text us the code SA for South Australia, and uh, uh, the number is 15, SA15. And uh, you'll be uh, contacted by our friend, the robot, and our friend, robot, he will uh, ask you a few questions that will enable us to be able to send uh, those uh, uh, th- that book to you. And look, if you've got any questions, comments or questions that you'd like to ask as well, you can use that same number uh, and that'll come directly to us, 04888 and we'd love to uh, give you give you a response. Are you listening to Faith FM Drive Time? Big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is Pastor David Butcher and David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, this week we're following the theme, Relevant to the Times. This is a theme uh, that Seventh Day Adventist churches all across Australia are discussing in their annual week of prayer. On Monday, we were introduced to three mysterious angels that appear just before Christ appears the second time. Today, we're talking about the issue of judgment, and we're asking, is the talk of repentance and judgment has really got out of date? Now, apparently, from uh, what we've been, what this angel says, apparently it's not out of date. But David, bring it all together for us. Thanks, Gary. You uh, mentioned um, some texts in Daniel just before the break, so I want to go back there. Uh, Daniel 7, 9, and 10. In fact, the whole chapter gives uh, a three uh, occurrences of a judgment that's happening, mm. and it begins in uh, Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10. It paints this extraordinary picture of thrones being put in place and the Ancient of Days, which is God the Father seated, um, and his throne is like a fiery flame. Uh, there are thousands and Ten thousands around, and it says the court was seated and the books were opened. Mm. This is a bit of a scary picture, right? Mm. But if we understand what's happening, uh, and this is a prophetic book talking about what happened after Daniel's day and what's still yet to come as well. But uh, in Daniel, uh, it talks about a, a power there in verses um, uh, 14. After um, judgment is made in favor of the saints, it says in verse 14, Then to him, this is Jesus, was given dominion and glory in a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Uh, and then in, when you go to Daniel seven twenty-one and 22, which is what you read, and I want to read it again. I was watching, this is Daniel, and the same horn, the same power was making war against the saints 
and prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favour of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Mm. So as you quite rightly said, the good news of the judgment is judgment is made in favour of the saints. Now, we're not talking about uh, Roman Catholic saints that have done miracles or allegedly done miracles and held up. And um, You read the book of Corinthians. It's writing to a Christian church, which is far from perfect, and Paul calls them saints. That was the name for a Christian people who were alive on planet Earth in Paul's day. That's right. And so what Daniel, God is showing Daniel, is um, God's people are going to be maligned, they're going to be persecuted, they're going to be put down, but judgment will occur and will uh, pronounce uh, judgment upon the wicked and vindicate or, or declare right uh, mm. those who follow God. It's made in favor of the saints. And then the beautiful part then is, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So what we have, judgment already occurring in heaven. We then have Jesus coming at the second coming to reward those who are his, that are in a relationship with him. And then... Uh, judgment against the evil powers, and then it's time for the saints to possess the kingdom. Mm. Uh, you get the same in Daniel 7, verses 25 and 26, uh, a court that is seated uh, to rule against the enemies of God and declare God's people righteous. Uh, it's also very interesting, Gary, that uh, Satan is the mastermind be- behind all deceivery and trickery. Mm. Judgment is to declare truth. Satan is the father of lies and he's the murderer from the beginning mm. as we're told. When you come to the book of Job, we won't go there, but we know in Job chapter 1, Satan comes to God and basically is is basically saying Job only serves you because of uh, everything you've given him. Because you protect him. Yeah. And so Satan is always accusing us. I've already said that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When we get to Zechariah chapter 3 in the Old Testament, it says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to oppose him. So here is Joshua the high priest. You've got the Lord and you've got Satan. And Satan is there opposing Joshua. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Mm. Let them put a clean turban on him. So here is a beautiful picture. All of us. We're filthy garments. We're all sinners. We've all done terrible things in, in against God. And yet when we surrender our hearts to him, when we live in a daily relationship with Jesus, we can have confidence in the judgment. So for the believer, judgment is not a scary time because the judgment is not about who has sinned because everyone knows that all human beings have sinned. Mm-hmm. Rather, the judgment is about who has received and accepted God's grace through faith. And just a beautiful passage for me, Gary, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace 
to help in time of need. Mm. So for the believer, for the person that's accepted Jesus, that have surrendered their hearts and their lives to him, we look forward to the judgment because Satan is continually pulling us down, continually saying we're not good enough. But in Jesus Christ, who was good enough, we are good enough. And this is really good news, isn't it? I mean, as I read this, I say, hey, you know, the angel, this angel is giving, preaching the everlasting gospel. Why does he go to the subject of judgment? Because in the judgment, there is vindication for the people of God. I, I love uh, that particular story. I think it's just so beautiful. I, you know, to me, as I look at the world that we're actually in today, people everywhere are calling, give us justice, give us justice. Uh, but, you know, the heart is evil above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? It actually says the scriptures. Uh, and God says, hey, uh, you need justice. You would, you're would you crying out for justice. I'm going to come and I'm the one who's actually going to provide you with justice. I think this is a very beautiful picture that's actually painted by this particular angel. To do away with evil, you need justice. To have justice, you need judgment. Amazing. What a picture. What a God we serve. Guys. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for giving us your salvation so rich and free. Uh, Lord, I just pray right now that you'd be with anybody who is struggling right now. Uh, Lord, if they're struggling, I just pray that your spirit might touch them. I pray that you might give them release, that they might know that you are indeed their God. We just ask, and I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time, a big Q&A. Uh, please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh he- Heenan uh, will look at the question, what's the significance of, creation, of the creation teaching to the everlasting gospel? We really look forward uh, to being with you then. But until then, uh, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid may our God richly bless you this program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio